It's Tuesday night. That means we are back. It's live Coach's Corner here at Wild Hair Beer Company in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Come on and join us. Have a beer with us. Talk some football. Ask your questions live. We may pass you the mic. If it all depends on your uh, rhetoric for the night. Uh, but we're, we're we're live again tonight. We took a couple weeks off. Had some things happen. You know, it was the preseason anyway. But we're back for week one. Football is back in Tennessee. Jonathan, how are you doing tonight? And it is a, it's a good night. Feels good. The humidity is finally broken. It feels like it's been about six months that I've been walking outside and immediately needing a shower. <laughs> so that, that's been good. That's been good. But no, I think just like uh, most teams around the NFL right now, it's a brand new season. I'm excited to get started. For sure. And it's, it is a welcome. You, you mentioned the break in the weather. It's welcome. Football season's welcome. This, I don't want to call it a cold snap, but I did see people out of soccer practice in a sweater. So they're, they're thinking it's a cold snap. But I, I love this weather. I've got about, I, I joked, I've got about 25 more degrees to go before I put on uh, non shorts when I go outside. So this is my happy time and we're going to be there for a couple months. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, we're about, uh, I, I'm happy with the weather right now, but then in about two months, I'll be having PTSD flashbacks to standing on top of a coach's <laughs> box looking like the Michelin man with enough layers with all the wind. And float, uh, blowing all over me. That's never a good look for anybody. So we are brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com and we are live tonight. So pop in your questions, anything you've got for us. We, it is week one. We're going to go through a couple things here. Uh, look at the preseason just a little bit. We just want to talk about preseason just a little bit because the, the, the piece de resistance, the main attraction is week Dang, one versus a, the Cardinals. Quite the, uh, in two weeks, you've really upped your vocabulary. I have, I've been studying. and watch, I'm going to stumble over like cat or something later on or cardinal or something that I can't get out. So, But anyway, I digress. Uh, there was the preseason cuts, obviously, to get to the 53-man roster. And I kind of want to touch on that first because you and I hadn't really got to talk about it, so I hope I'm not springing anything onto you. But was there anything that the Titans did that like super surprised you in any of their cuts or – Made, left you with scratching your head, or were you expecting everything you saw? Uh, no, I will speak on and take a slight victory lap on one that Go everybody ahead. had already written off uh, Cameron Batson. And I, I tell you, this team, this team, it does not matter what you think of Cameron Batson. It matters what this team thinks of Cameron Batson. Sure. And they have proven over the last several years that they respect what he brings to the table. And so for them to keep him around, because I think everybody was talking about, oh, look what uh, Rodgers brings to the punt return game. Look what he does to the kick return game. Well, clearly he's competing with Cam Batson. What Rodgers doesn't do, though, is he doesn't play every single position on offense. And at the wide receiver position. I don't think either one's lining up at offensive guard, but uh, I mean, you, you talk about the versatility. Might hope, need a right you, tackle. You hope not. You hope not. <laughs> uh, and so it, I think a lot of people were surprised about Batson, but I put out last week before the cuts that he is a guy that this staff knows can play in a lot of places on special teams and at the, the X, Y, and Z positions at the receiver. That gives them versatility there. You talk about a guy, Dennis Kelly, when they brought in on the offensive line, he was super valuable because of all of the different positions he could play. When you have that guy, you don't have to then roster another guy just to be the backup wide receiver. So sure. we talk about it. Young guys, when you want to make it in this league, you have to be able to do more than one thing. So I think for me, I was not super surprised that Cameron Batson made this team. I think this team really likes what he does. And frankly, when the guy is not injured, he has performed for the role that they have asked him to do. Yeah, I mean, you, you've I, just to toot your horn here for a second. You definitely have been on the Cameron Batson train, not not saying that he's this game changer, but but you're saying that he's a nice piece 
that can complement the Titans offense in a pinch and he can fill in some of those spots. You're not counting on him all season. None of these guys that we're talking about, all these roster battles, where you're you're hoping you count on for extended periods of the season anyway. But what you're, you're what you're hoping for is that when they do have that stretch of a couple series or a play here and there that, that they're called on for that first down that they perform. And that, they, and that they rise to the occasion. So your point all the whole time was kind of what my point was about uh, Logan Woodside is that I don't love him as a starting quarterback, but I don't need him as a starting quarterback. I need him to, to be functional for hopefully only a couple series the entire year. Well, so that, Cameron Batson, though, to your point, is going to be used a lot more than that situation. So that's why it's okay to be higher on him, I think. Well, and the, there's this, there is a point when you're talking about, oh, what is Cameron Batson going to do at wide receiver? Well, you know, in a pinch, you want a guy you can plug in at all those different positions. But if you're having to rely on your fifth, sixth, or seventh wide receiver on your depth chart for any major amount of snaps, you're already in a world of hurt. Sure. So, similar to the argument around the backup quarterback. Position. Backup offensive line yeah, for the yeah, most part. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. lots of backup stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, offensive line, apparently we'll get into that later. But, <laughs> I mean, apparently yeah, they're going to play everybody. So Yeah, yeah. That's the, the going uh, plan, I guess. Anyway, we'll get into that a little later, like you said. Uh, for me, obviously, I don't think Des Fitzpatrick was as big of a uh, shock because the, all indications from the start of camp was he was struggling. Uh, people that were at camp, they just didn't look good, didn't catch on. And, you know, luckily for the Titans, I, I say luckily, um, if you, you liked what you saw from him in senior bowl practices, you liked what I guess you liked what you saw in the game film. He had some plays, but he, he didn't, he never jumped off the page of a receiver you'd trade up in the mid rounds of the draft. To, you know, you trade, you would trade up for. Uh, but they get to keep him. He cleared waivers and he's on the practice squad. So they continue to get to work with him and develop him and see may, hopefully whatever they saw sparks out. So I know that the, a fan favorite Mason uh, Kinsey also was cut, but he made it to the practice squad. So same thing there. Those guys are, are readily available. They didn't get gone to another team. Um, but my big concern is almost every single offensive lineman they brought in as camp bodies. And, and here's the thing, when you're picking off the trash heap, this isn't really a, a, a surprise that none of them could overtake the right tackle spot. My, my big concern, though, this whole time has been, will you let the guy who was the starter and held that right tackle spot down admirably and Dennis Kelly walk, and now you, you're struggling to find his replacement for one reason or another, and you, I, I was just, I don't know, not, not, not that you're hoping that they find, but maybe there was a gym out there that just sparked and worked with the Titans that they could have found to stick around for some depth. None of those guys made it. It just continues that whole process when you have so many weapons on offense and so high expectations of the offense that you have a, a spot on the offensive line. Again, they can cover some of this up. I'm not overly concerned at this point. Talk to me again in three games. Um, but it would have been nice to have that starter name, a little tease there for you but it would be nice to have that starter or at least some semblance of structure there so before we go on hey kenneth thank you for joining us yeah good evening to you as well sir look i i will say this we talk about the devaluation of preseason football and i think the titans 53 man roster essentially could have been predicted before the preseason even started, there was really no huge sure. surprises. I, if you were ma if you were making me guess, I mean, maybe yeah, the Des Fitzpatrick not making it, but uh, but then you kind of replace him with Racy McMath, who's still on the roster, and I don't sure. think there's any huge change there. And, and frankly, it wasn't necessarily what Racy did in the preseason games; it was in practice. Marcus Johnson didn't really even play in preseason; he's on the roster or he's on IR right now. But you talk about it; I don't think this is a team that really values preseason football too much uh, or preseason games too much. It's really about what the what you see on the practice field. But they had a pretty good idea of what they were going to do going into this. So I mean, ready to get the get some actual games started. 
around and see how this team starts sure. to develop. And, and the receiver last night, it was always going to be the Julio and AJ and, well, and Derek and Brian and Taylor show. <laughs> hey, Taylor did, did play. T yeah. did play in the yeah he did he looked so, good doing it too uh, he looked like he was amped and ready to go so clearly that means that they thought he needed to battle for his roster spot <laughs> as compared to the uh, skill players speaking of a battle and a struggle just to transition here one last preseason note or question for you before we move on to week one um the, the titans defense actually now i know it's preseason defense and they're going but there's similar levels going at similar level you you kind of think that's what's going on or at least that's what it seems the defensive depth didn't look bad for the titans and they were able to make some stops. So I, my question for you, sir, is myth or fixed Titans defense 2021? Yes. Yeah, I, that's my answer. And I know that that seems like a little bit of a cop-out, but you, you talk about, one, it's pretty much impossible to be worse than they were last year. And that's the thing that I always come back to about te teams that are or people saying that the Titans defense is going to let them down. And? They I mean, did they, last year. Yeah, they made the they made the playoffs. They won the AFC South and literally had one of the worst third down defenses in the history of professional football. So they really can't get any worse. And anything you get from them is a plus. That said, I do think they are set up to make a lot of steps forward. You know, pending injuries, they look a little bit more open to the idea of playing some guys at middle linebacker that really match what this today's nfl looks like they're gonna they got depth at corner with young guys now young guys can be scary that it's a sure. you know they have tons of potential which is a terrifying word as a coach word. but there is some truth to that and again you can't get much worse than what you saw last year and a lot of last year was due to injuries that you had a lot of guys playing that turnover injuries yeah um and so then you look at the pass rush you you have Bud Dupree. You haven't seen him out there yet. Nico Autry, you've seen some of them. Simmons should be coming off of the the COVID issue and another year removed from the the knee injury. So I think this is a team that yes, I don't. I'm not going to say fix. This isn't going to be a top five unit. Are they middle of the pack on defense though? I think so. Is that good enough to compete for and possibly win a Super Bowl if your offense is remotely like what it was last year? I think so. And that I think that's all you really have to ask for. Right. And, and well, middle, middle of the road defense. Let's be clear here. Middle of the road defense for the Titans this year will be light years beyond what they were last year. They look discombobulated. They looked unorganized. They, their playmakers weren't making plays. You can chalk that up to, to guys having an off year, miscommunications, all kinds of things. So it's going to be nice to see everybody back. And, and my, my point is, is that last year it was this bottomless feeling of this starting defense sucks. Is no one better behind them to overtake and to, to contribute? No, not really. Well, now from the preseason, I saw some I saw some glimmers of hope. You know, Rashad Weaver looks like he could make a push at some point in time. Molden, Farley getting some runs. Some of these guys have to work their way at the depth chart, of course, and get game ready. But at the same time, there's a lot of promise there now where there not, not have been in, in well, at least last year. I mean, there's been some good Titans defenses in the past, but I would say that the positivity is there, but yeah, we still have to see them in a game time situation and then we'll be able to tell. What'll maybe, be really maybe. entertaining is, you know, all of the people that live in hyperbole and whenever the defensive backs start playing better uh, with Fulton and Jack Rabbit and whoever's going to be in the slot. I think it looks like it's going to be Chris Jackson, but it could be Molden playing some time there. They're going to mix it up there, but how long it's going to take people to bring up, well, they wasted a first round pick on Farley because he's not on the field. They won't, they will not be happy that the, t that the team has improved. They'll just be unhappy about well, this other thing. 
it's Titan social media and Titan's Twitter. There's always going to be something to be mad about, right? It's, it's, if it's not this, then they'll, they'll turn their hatred towards soccer and not being able to sell out an NFL stadium for a soccer game that did 45,000 or whatever it was. Not bad, if you ask me. And one thing I do want to bring up, because we got a comment here in the chat. As always, if you guys are, are watching here and want to throw your ideas up there, happy to discuss them here. And that is around Shane Bowen calling plays. And I will say, you know, we've been on those sidelines. We know how, you know, intense with the play clock there it is. And communication is key. Yes, they are professionals. But when you have any semblance of miscommunication, especially if it's coming from the coaching staff about who is actively or actually actually making the play calls or who's the guy in charge. Yes, it is an absolute sure. issue. So, yes, I see Dom here on Periscope. He's excited to see what Bowen does calling plays. I think players have to be excited just knowing who really the guy is. And so at this point, there will be no scapegoating. There will be no other side of trying to figure out, well, was it Vrabel? Was, was it Comp? No, it's on Bowen now. Bowen has the freedom to do it. And so, I yes, I, I'm excited to see what he does. I'm excited to see how they deploy some of those multiple blitzes. This is a guy that has come up in this system underneath P's. He knows what Vrabel likes. Maybe Vrabel isn't great at calling the plays, but maybe he has a decent system that works. So we'll find sure. out. Um, I'm excited to see what they do differently. But ultimately, the communication has to be improved. And I think that is what you saw a lot of in the preseason. But now it gets real because, you know, teams aren't game planning, including the Titans. So now we find out what is that going to look like when the bullets are firing. Yeah, and, and you would hope that year two for Bowen would be more successful just out of sheer experience, right? So that's a good, great, great question, John. We're huge on Periscope again. I mean, just yeah, racking our, up the comments on Periscope. For our gigantic Twitch following to show up. <laughs> Oh, I know. Yeah, we need that back. So, uh, but that that's the preseason. Uh, not a whole lot. To, I know we missed a couple of weeks, but not a whole lot to talk about. I know there was some some jazz back and forth. The discovery from that that Tampa uh, practice week between Brady and and, and Vrabel. But those are always going to be there. The guys are, you know, they're 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 horse racing buddies. They go to all the races and everything. So, uh, you're always going to get those fun quips. But so go back and look for some of that stuff. We're not going to discuss it here. We're going to move on to week one. Real football. Real football. And like you said, a real football opponent, too. We're not having to worry about preseason uh, limited snap counts, all that good stuff. So the Arizona Cardinals are coming to town for the, the first game of the year at noon, noon game. Yay. Uh, it, it, that's fine. You know, hopefully, you know, with all the problems getting into the game or whatever that, that, that PK and people highlighted, hopefully the Titans have that uh ironed out it'll be a pleasant experience for everyone going to the game i'll be watching on tv because i just I, I don't like crowds and i won't be around them <laughs> plus i've got a nice big tv so, that shows the game just fine and yeah, like there's a global <laughs> pandemic going on too i mean i really think you're being unreasonable oh no no for sure but but this is it's exciting a even if if there was no expectations in the titan season exciting because football's back college football is back this last weekend hopefully your team did well darren how'd your team do good Oh, yeah. Noted <laughs> Vanderbilt fan over here who had a very memorable week one under a new regime. Things are can only go up from here. Crumbs, not the cookie. There we go. So, yeah, college football's back, NFL's back. So, depending on what you like, if you like, I just I don't care if you like college better, NFL better, it's football. Good football's on TV. 
we can all live happily in that thought, or at least I think you can, but it's, you know, it's, it is what it is. People are always going to fight about that apparently. But like I said, the Cardinals coming down, the Titans are 64% favorites over the Cardinals. Uh, let me start there. Do you agree with that? I mean, there's a lot of expectations on the Titans, but uh, to me, I think the Cardinals can be explosive. That seems like a lofty number for a first game when you don't know a lot about these year's teams. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a gambler. I'm not going to get into point spreads and, and percentages there. I will say that I'm a firm believer in matchup football. And while I think the Cardinals could give the Titans some trouble when they're on offense, I think that the Titans are a terrible, terrible matchup for what the Cardinals do on defense. Um, and so we can kind of dive in there. Yeah, let's, let's dive in the that, that side first. That's you, fine. You, you look at what the Titans are going to do, and that is still going to be to run the football right at you. You talk about the Cardinals. They've got a guy in Isaiah Simmons who they drafted last year and who is great for modern-day NFL football. He's a guy that can kind of do it all. What he doesn't necessarily do great because he is a big, safety, small linebacker is – just straight downhill football attack. And you can't really blame the Cardinals. I mean, the Titans are kind of an army of one when it comes to playing that game nowadays. And yes, they run a, a scheme similar to what San Francisco is going to run, what, um, what Atlanta is going to run, those kind of guys. But they ain't putting a guy like Derrick Henry and running it right out there and not committing to it. So I think the Titans are a bad matchup for what the Cardinals do. And the Cardinals are in a position where you almost, because of what you have up the middle, you have to commit extra defenders there to be able to stop the run. Well, that's a problem now. Especially now. <laughs> when you just lost, and I won't get into the Cardinals fans about, you know, whether Malcolm Butler was your number one corner or whether he was just a You lost guy. a starting corner, then you have to rely on depth now. That's I think that's a fair point to make. Absolutely. So he's out, and now you got match matchups with Julio Jones. AJ Brown one on one on the outside. And if you don't, if you don't want to leave them one on one on an island, then you have Derrick Henry running up with numbers on your undersized defensive backs, your undersized linebackers. It's just a bad matchup for what they do. Now, that said, it is week one. Tannehill coming off the COVID list didn't play in any preseason games. Neither did the receivers. Could there be some uh, cohesiveness issues there? Probably, but from a pure on paper and schematically how you're going to match up, I would not be very excited for what I'm seeing from the Cardinals perspective and what the Titans are going to bring on offense. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how they line up, how they attack defenses. And it'll be a, I think it'll be a week-to-week -week thing because they have so many weapons and they can spread everything out. I have said for years that I thought Derrick Henry can run I think he can run no matter what the offensive setup is, whether whether you're in tight, whether you're in big personnel, whether you're in four spread. You know, I just I just really think that he but I've always said that out of shotgun, he ran out of pistol in college a lot. He ran out of gun in college a lot because Alabama was transitioning to the offense that you see it now. And he had a lot of success because Derrick Henry is a tough man to get down once he's going. You give him even more of kind of that read and that ability to get up to speed from gun or from a from an extended depth. That, that's not a bad thing. Plus you spread out the field and give him angles to use his speed and his stiff arm abilities. And then those outside tosses that people like to talk bad about last year and those outside run plays are going to be even easier to get out to because now he's going to be out there clear of all the trash able to move. And so it's, it's a good thing for the Titans. And then you've got the, the weapons and I'll be honest with you. Ferkser may be a big weapon for them and he's not listed as the starting tight end. Don't get tied up in that. He's definitely going to be a starting formation type player because of how they're going to use him. And I think that with these defenses, how they're going to have to pay attention to Julio and AJ, 
Ferks are in the slot or Ferks are being able to, to work those seams and those middles as athletic as he is and as good of a pass catcher as he is, is going to be dangerous for defense. So let's not discredit that as well. I, I, I've never really bought into the Ferkster hype like everyone else's, but I really do think this is the year that you could finally see some justification behind that. I think that, he, that you're going to see those numbers match, you know, what his hype level has been over the past couple of years. But I, I mean that in all sincerity. I think he's going to have a good year. Um, we had a question here, and my one concern is one position for the offense. Hold up. Okay. Because I'd have to go one route, and because I know you're going to go on this tan- on this rant. No, I may, I may or may not. I may or may not. I'm here for the rant I'm, on the tackle position. Tonight. Yeah. I do want to, because I saw Donovan Patterson on Facebook. He jumped in here. I kind of touched on it a little bit about Julio and Tanny not being on the same page and whether we share that sentiment. One of the main reasons that I don't really hear talked about, yes, there is something to be said around timing and getting that down with your receivers. What people fail to realize is that whenever you're on the field, it's not a, no coach is sitting there saying, hey, you need to run this uh, slant route faster or you need to run this comeback faster they're saying you have to get to this spot on the field and get to a spot back exactly that's the timing that you have to get down and julio jones knows how to run those routes he knows the timing of those things he's a pro exactly and so i don't think it's as much of a big deal because look Tannehill is not a guy that's running around and scrambling playing backyard football where you got to know where he's gonna be and ha- be on the same page with him no it's a system exactly so this is a guy that needs to know how to run his routes and i'm not worried about julio jones knowing his points his marks on the field and how to get there that's a guy that knows what he's doing not too worried about it so now with that said i turn it over to you my offensive line guru and what are your thoughts on this from mike vrabel as we've talked about we're we're gonna have this preseason battle to see who starts at right tackle but then coming out this week saying we may play all three of them there like you didn't, you couldn't decide before. Now, like I, I went back and looked at the preseason snaps for these guys, and, and I'll be honest with you, two of those three guys didn't get. Well, I say the four guys because Raiden's, you know, he got a ton of snaps there at tackle, especially in that Bears game, but he's not in the mix, not at all. That's fine. I am, I am perfectly fine with that. If if you're trying to develop the youngster, you understand that he could be a tackle at some point in the future. I am okay with this year being a wash and letting him develop. I would much rather do that with a young player, and see how it goes. I'm not happy about it because, again, as I stated, I think that they could have had a tackle who could be a starting right tackle for them right now in Brady Christensen later in the third round, but we're not getting the semantics. He might not have been there. Who knows what happens in those situations. But I'll go back to my rant here. So you've got three guys vying for that starting. It was two. Now it's three in Questenberry, Sombrello, and Lamb. All three of them have NFL experience. Two of them you've seen personally at tackle positions. Two of them filled in admirably for you last year at left tackle. You can't make this decision, and you're and you're going to play a game where you're going to roll guys. Is it a series? They're going to get two series each, one series each. They're not going to get into any kind of groove. That, your quarterback is the engine that finally turned this offense on. I'm not saying that he's the best quarterback out there, but he's the best quarterback for the Titans for sure. And you've already we've already stated that you don't want to rely on a backup for for – any more than a couple series, and now you're going to play Russian roulette with a with a revolving got in there right tackle position. You're, you're just you're just on tonight. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't love it. You know, I, I would again. Is this coach speak? Does he have his decision? Is he playing the gamesmanship? Maybe there's some of that. Maybe they know exactly who the guy is, and you'll see him. He will play the entire game, 
and all my worries and this rant will play horribly in freezing cold takes and someone will come back and yell at me, but that's fine. But if if I have to take him for his word, Vrabel is a man's man and he is a, and he's honest, if anything, if, if he does split, let information spill, he's typically, you know, on the money. Well, I don't know that. So, so, but here's the, I don't, I don't Sorry. personally believe that they're actually going to rotate them. And because we talk about, you know, I'm, I'm the defensive backs guy and it, that is a cohesive unit that they have to play well together. You like consistency right there, but I will tell you right now that there is not a more important spot on the field to have cohesion than the your offensive, offensive line. line. So if it's truly, you have three guys that are equal. Ask Nate Davis who he has better cohesion. Right. With. I mean, give give that guy, let him know who he does. He have the better communication keys so that they can make their pre-snap reads and know where those things are going to come down. I, I will say this about Nate Davis. I have all the confidence in that interior offensive line. And then, of course, y- y'all, everyone who's ever listened to me on any podcast or read any of my articles in the trenches coming soon. Um, sorry. <laughs> those that I, I love Taylor Lewan. He was he was missed last year, even though I thought they get they get they got by. I would have been much better if he was there, hundred percent. But Nate Davis, and this is why I'm not panicking about Raidens either, is because Nate Davis had a similar start to his career and turned out to be, in my opinion, he's, he's slowly becoming quickly, slowly, whatever, and turning into one of the better guards in the league, in my opinion. He just, especially when run game's concerned, that that dude just balls. I, I love watching him play. And then you watch him, Saffold, and Jones go together. So the communication, to bring this back in, the communication has to be there. If you are going to roll three guys in, like that, then that communication changes. I don't. I don't care if they're speaking the same language. They may not see see things the same, and that's important when you're talking about protections and trying to have to to relay out. Especially if you're going to do any kind of slide protection where the outside man has the number one threat off the outside, guard now has number two. You have to have that cohesion. You have to have that communication ability, and that that can change from person to person or from understanding to understanding, basically. And you raised a good point. I didn't think about that. Ask Nate Davis. He's going to be playing next to him. You know, my hope, though, is that while they're doing this, that they're maybe – but I, not my hope because I don't like this. If you're having to really protect these guys and give them a best shot to protect your quarterback, then you're going to have to be throwing some tight ends or some extra stuff over there. And that's not – that 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 limits your offense. It can hamstring it a little bit, and I don't love that. So my rant's almost over here. I'm not happy with it. I would have loved – and I don't – again, rotational, whatever, if you're going to do, that's the whole different thing. My point is should have they should have had this figured out by now. You know, I know that these guys didn't play a ton in the, in the preseason, but they had practices. They've seen them play before. They should have had a pretty good idea. We'll see what happens in the game as far as when they actually throw the guys out there and see if they they stick with Lamb or Sambrillo or Questenberry or whoever it is. And maybe it won't matter because here's the best thing about play, the best and worst thing about playing offensive line: you do your job, no one talks about you. That's what you want. That's what you want. So hopefully we're not talking about this. Except for maybe Sunday. Taylor Lewan. Taylor Lewan's a little bit of an anomaly. I well, think sure. Like, I think he likes to be talked about. Sure. He is the he's the anti. He Most a, offensive linemen don't want to be talked about. He was about. a left tackle <laughs> born with the heart of a diva wide receiver. <laughs> maybe we'll put, it, put that on another t-shirt and send it to Taylor. Yeah, JG, hopefully you're watching. <laughs> so we'll get it. We've had a couple questions here come in around the Titans defense. So I do want to, as we transition there, sure, let's go back. Want to go to one question here around from TJ Fan 99 on Twitch. Told you we're big on Twitch. <laughs> Thank you. To win TJ. the ASC, you need to get through Jackson and Mahomes. Is week one matchup against the Cardinals a good gut check for winning the ASC? I am going to say that I think it's a nice blend because you do the Cardinals are a an explosive offense. They can score some points. Do they run the same system? No, they don't. Kyler's going to run around a little bit more, but he's more of a threat with his arm than than um, than Jackson. 
but yep. he's not nearly what Mahomes is. Nobody really is. So, sure. I mean, he's a little bit of a wild card in how he plays, and so is Mahomes, so you do get a threat of that. But it does just give you a nice barometer for how your defense is going to stack up against an offense. Here's the thing about the Ravens and Jackson. I'm not worried about the Titans' defense versus the Ravens. That one does not, does not worry me at all because we talk about matchup football they understand how to match up with the ravens they're going to roll in with three safeties they're going to put them out there and they're going to make jackson try and beat you with his arm they gave up 20 points in a playoff game to jackson that should win you a football game and in my opinion with the offense that you have yeah, that should. should happen and frankly it was one big play by a great player that really broke the game open sure with mahomes the one reason i don't say that that it will be him because it, it, it's a situation where they I don't think Kingsbury can hold a cup of water to what Andy Reid deploys on a weekly basis with his schemes and his play calling. And that's the difference, in my opinion. Is it a nice barometer? Yes. Are you? If you go out there and you get just lit up by the Cardinals, you're not going to have a whole lot of confidence going against the Chiefs. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. But it's also game one. A lot of time, to, a lot of time to fix things, in my opinion. And it's a good stage press rehearsal, I guess, for those for that team later on. It's definitely when you want to win, you want to perform well. I think it's one of those things where if they do well, you go, okay. So they can they can maybe contain a dynamic personality at quarterback. Maybe maybe they can have that. And, and I'm not talking about Jackson because you made a good point, the game plan there. This is one they really haven't seen a ton of in Kyler Murray and uh, uh, that offense. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things where um, I can't remember the coach's name. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury? Kingsbury, Mr. Uh, that I still – about the the the, uh, the draft pad he had. That oh, guy's yeah. a DQ James Bond. Anyway, but he's a great offensive mind. So there's there's a lot of things good things going there. So I think it's a good dress rehearsal for those kinds of things. Where if they do well, you can kind of go, okay, all right. If they do some things and they're able to get off the field in third down, I don't care who the offense is. To be honest with you, if they're getting off the uh, off on third down, a pause all around. I'll buy beers for people. I don't, you know, Good job. That's what I want to see. I don't care what the offense is. So, but if they're still struggling in that area, you know, and they're struggling against containing Kyler, which I think a lot of teams are going to do this year, I don't think it's the time it will be a panic button type situation. Well, get me three or four games in, and they're still doing that with every quarterback. Now we're panicking because that's what it was last year. It was there wasn't a quarterback that didn't have a good day against them. I have to take a second because apparently somebody's very persistent here and wants to us to acknowledge his presence. But uh, Justin Mello from Canada, hello to you too, sir. Hello, I Maple hope you're syrup. happy. There you go. Enjoy the uh, bear country. So, real quick, Justin Mello. Seriously, if y'all are not following him and you're listening to the show, I don't know what you're doing. Go follow Justin. He breaks great news, gets great interviews out there. He's a wonderful follow. And if you want your, if you want to be on the pulse of the Titans stuff justin mel is your guy for broadway at justin underscore m on twitter that, that's your guy so joshua medina on periscope i have to give you a little bit of crap here because before, when we started this show and i know you probably joined a little bit late i said that no matter what the titans dbs do someone would bring up that caleb farley is not on the field and therefore it's a problem even if even if even if they have two shutdown corners and i'm not saying that they will but that somebody would bring it up. Am I worried about Caleb Farley? I don't think so. I think the fact that he got into the field as early as he did kind of reset some expectations for some people, but this is still a guy that, one, is coming off a major injury, and so don't rush him back. Because, frankly, right now you set your team up that you don't have to. You don't have to rush him out there. That's the reason you have Jack Rabbit. That's the reason that you have Christian Fulton there. Fulton, obviously, is a guy that they're going to have for a long time, you're hoping. Jack Rabbit, I really view Farley as kind of that long-term replacement for him. 
And the other thing you have to remember about Farley is he is extremely raw. This is a guy that has not played the position for a long period of time. Talented, but raw. Exactly, exactly. So there's a lot of stuff to work with there, but I also, you know, you talk about, this is going to be a little bit of a, of a, different tangent here but when you talk about like justin fields in chicago you don't want to throw him out there you know in week one against aaron donald to get eaten alive with a bad offensive line you don't want to put caleb farley out on an island against deandre hopkins and even the uh the ghost of aj green out there and have that be his first experience so i think in this situation you can play it safe now look if we're still not seeing him even getting some semblance of time at the end of the year. Does my concern level start to raise just a little bit? Probably. But again, this is not a situation where you're just rotating a guy in there. At best, I think he's a situational guy. He's a fourth corner. And this is barring injury, which does happen. Um, But I don't think you'll get a real read on Farley until probably next year, just to be honest with you. Yeah, and... If, if if you do have the what I think is the best case scenario is he becomes a contributor midseason, that's like a trade, in my opinion. And if he's able to to really pick up the steam, because the talent's there. Now, and I don't I don't think the understanding's a problem, but I think there is a, it's a different speed between college and pros, regardless. The understanding, the flow of the game, all that good stuff. So you, you don't want to work someone in who's coming off a major injury and major surgery uh in too quickly because then you if you if you set your first round pick back, you think it's bad now losing a year. Try setting him back three years, and you've lost his entire rookie contract. So you, you don't have to be. I'm not saying play it safe, but at the same time, just be mindful. So I'm not. I'm not hitting the panic button. And they and I think that they did a good job. The Titans did a good job of. And John Robinson has, for the most part, done a pretty good job of at a lot of positions of drafting one, picking one up, kind of a thing. So I think that they covered themselves through these last couple of years to be able to have some depth. That sure, Farley's probably more talented or has more, there's this word again, potential than what's going to be out there in the field. But like, I can't really do much with that potential right now until it's ready. And maybe it's not ready. Maybe it is. We'll see. And if he, if I could see maybe, I remember the Titans moment where they throw the, a different corner out there mid game and he shuts Hopkins down. And now, now the Titans have a monster Island corner. That's a good story too. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will say the other thing, you want consistency on defense. You want guys that know what they're going to do. You're not going to quite get that from a rookie. You would say three weeks in a row, I'm going to work this in. You could say he's going to be a bit mercurial. Dang it. I told you I'd bring it back around every week. Mercurial. That's going to be your running theme for a season. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And yes, Farley could be a Ghostbuster. I love it, but I don't see it. They are bringing the movie back, though. I'm so, excited about that. I actually am about that. We'll have that on uh, maybe, you know, bye week. Bye week. Is yeah, maybe we'll do week. some some pop culture review. That'll be our film review. Yeah. We'll do, instead yeah. of coaching film review, we'll actually break down a film. Good. Go talk about Shang-Chi, too. Uh, fantastic movie, by the way. Um, so uh, what are your thoughts, real quick, while we're waiting some more questions to come in, what are your thoughts on J.J. Watt guaranteeing a win? I don't know if that's his exact word, but he said he's not losing to his old foe. He's done it before. I mean, this is the guy that I – what was at the end of last year that the Texans were going to beat the Titans because of a J.J. Watt uh, motivational speech? I mean, the guy's a walking meme. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I look, he is a spectacular player. No one works but, harder. Like, good, good Lord. I mean – it's <laughs> let you know about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad he has the confidence. He's going to come out there. He wants to make a name for himself. But again, what comes out of J.J. Watt's mouth is not going to affect the outcome of the game. That's true of every player, by the way. It's just J.J. Watt keeps doing it. Yeah. Um, so switching gears a little bit here, too, about the, the game. We've talked primarily about how the offense is going to attack the defense. And we've, we've touched a little bit about the defense. And if, if you're going to be able to contain 
Kyler, what else are you looking forward to? Because I'm, I'm, I've kind of read through the lines here that the Bud Dupree says he's going to be ready for Game One. Is he going to be on a on a pitch count? Is he going to be is he is he going to be just a third down type threat? Uh, but you've got Autry in there as a new guy. Tier Tart has been really improving. Um, Big Merch, Simmons. You've got a really good defensive line uh, with that's got some quality depth there. Um, linebackers for the most part are, are I think very functional, pretty good, especially with the emergence of, of Monty Rice. Looks like he may be a pretty serviceable linebacker. Especially Especially when this in today's NFL, uh, but you know, you know our thoughts on Jayon Brown. Uh, you know, so just what else are you excited about on the defensive side of the ball? First things first, Monty Rice is the only rookie not listed last yeah, in his position. Yeah. Shout out F Words Pod, huge, uh, Monty huge Rice. Monty Rice fan. Um, things I'm looking forward to. Obviously, I want to see Julio out there and how they're going to deploy him. But more than that, I want to see are they going to convert more to eleven personnel and go with that three wide look? You talk about Ferkser, and he's a big wide receiver. He's not your starter, but he is a guy that I expect him to deploy quite a bit out of the slot. But out of that eleven personnel, probably the only thing that was really surprising out of that depth chart. And apologies, eleven personnel. That's three wide. Okay, one running back, one tight end. It's a situation where is it Chester Rogers as your true third wide receiver that you're running out there? That's that's interesting. Is it injury related? Is it performance related? Um, Chester Rogers does give you a little bit something different than what your other wide receivers do. I have a prediction. I think on script it'll be Chester Rogers, and I think that uh, you know in in a have to have it moments will be Ferguson. But where does Josh Reynolds? So that's kind of what I'm I'm saying here. From a true three wide receiver set, is Chester Rogers your true oh, okay. three wide receiver? Josh Reynolds is not right here to be that guy. I mean, right now, yeah. yeah, but yeah. I, I did talk about that. You had three similar wide receivers. They do it in a different way, but they're big bodies, not necessarily burners, especially Julio at this stage in his career. Rodgers gives you a little bit something different with the shiftiness and speed to get out there and do something. There. Right. So are they going to trot him out? That would be a little bit of a break from what they've done previously. And that also will spread them out a little bit. We always talk about they go to these three tight end heavy kind of sets. They get, they bring extra guys down into the box. What we talk about, though, is that, you know, you're also bringing other guys to the party. You're bringing extra mm. defenders down into the box. So if you spread it out, now you have less guys that you have to worry about blocking. And if you don't, and if Henry wants to bounce it, that's one typically going to be a smaller guy they have out there. And if they don't, then you got matchup problems on your number three wide receiver. Are they going to trot a linebacker? They don't want to take him off the field because Derrick Henry is going to be running at him? Sure. Are they going to go small, which they would typically do to most teams because it's a third wide receiver? It think, creates issues. I think some of those pass rushers out in coverage, like a lot of teams do to the Titans. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll <laughs> put Harold Landry out in the slot. Oh, the Cardinals will. They'll just borrow him. He's such he's so good in the slot. They're going to borrow it anyway. So that's kind of what we're looking forward to. I agree with y'all there. I'm, I'm just I'm just again excited to see how this defense gels. See if they can be at least middle of the road and get off the field every once in a while on third down. I think that'll be a major win, especially against a what I consider can be an explosive offense with some explosive receivers and and, and what's going on there. What is your? I'm gonna throw it to you first, and then I'm gonna make mine up here in a second because I've, I've been flip-flopping. What is your score prediction for the game this week? I hate score predictions. I thought we were doing season predictions. We are next. We are, we are next. Oh, man. I think the Titans, uh, are, like I said, it's matchups. I don't think the Cardinals are a good matchup. Um, or uh, This sounds the opposite of what I was trying to say. The Titans are a bad matchup for the Cardinals. Okay. They do, And so I think for them – I think the Titans come out and put up 30 to 35 points. Cardinals probably get low 20s. I think the Titans win this one. Um, and I think there's going to be some flashes from the Cardinals, but I think the Titans are just going to wear them down. I didn't hear any numbers in there. I gave 35. 
30 to 35 and low 20s. I'm at 31, 22. So we're we're actually about the same, depending on what your range is, low 20s to to mid 30s. So I I think we're we're on the same page there. I'm like, I'm like, I just talked about on the offense. I have options. (laughs) So let's, let's go here then just to wrap up the show. Well, not wrap up the show just yet, but uh, last topic before a beer review. and to get ready. Uh, so last talk before that is the season long prediction. Uh, we do this every year and then we try to revisit it to see how we were. We'll get to some questions too, if there's any out there that we haven't answered before our new topics, but what, uh, see, I'll go first this time. And, and since I, I put you on the spot with the score for week one, um, I honestly, I went through the schedule and I tried to methodically go through the matchups and, and, and I did this in 30 seconds. Uh, but I think the Titans, I've got them finishing 13 and four. And just off my first look, I've got them losing at Seattle week two uh, versus Buffalo, Casey, and Pittsburgh are the four losses I have them having for the year. I could I could be talked in trading out uh, that Pittsburgh, you know, to a win. And then Los Angeles Rams was a close one for me as well. It could be a loss because it's at L.A. and that's just a heck of a trip out to the coast uh, for that. But I've got them finishing solidly 13-4 winning the South. I do think they win the South. And I actually was at 13 and four. I'm tempted to change now that you picked that. It just seems <laughs> too on point. And we have another one right here. It's definitely not going to be 13 and four. Everybody picked 13. Oh my God. Four. No, it's so, not. Yeah, yeah it's not. So, it's going to be 14 uh, and three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here was my reasoning for 13 and four. This is a team that has got kind of gone all in on improving. And in my opinion, especially with Deshaun Watson not playing, this is a division that has gotten worse. So, Just based on that, you hope that this is a team that can improve on last year's record. They won 11 games last year. To truly be better, if they go 11 and 6 with the 17 games, I don't think you feel great about that coming off last year. They could win the South, though. Sure, sure. I I think that's the goal, right? Yeah, no, the goal is to win a Super Bowl. Sure, but I mean, to get to the playoffs, you got to just step this out. Sure. No, I I I agree with with your overall point, though. And so when you look at that and look at how the teams in your division are, when Deshaun Watson is not playing, that's a step back. So for me, I think it's got to be. Yeah, 13 and 4, 12 and 5 in that range. Anything else beyond that, I think this is a team that's disappointed. Now, obviously, you go 11 and 6, or you sneak into the playoffs in one of those wild card spots and make a run and win the Super Bowl. Ain't nobody going to care what your regular season record was. Right. And, and we have an interesting question from Max Craven here. 13 4 gets you what seed uh, in the playoffs? Um, it really depends. Honestly, that's just one of those questions where it depends on what the rest of everything shakes out, but that feels like a three seed. I think two, two I or mean, three. It, it feels like a two or there. three. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely not the one seed. I would feel a little better about only two losses, that kind of thing. But I mean, it's, it's the NFL, even, even Kansas city, which is arguably the best team in the, in the AFC Tampa Bay, the, the, the Super Bowl reigning Super Bowl champs, even they're going to have slip up games where they're not going to know the down, what down there are and those kind of things. And Tom Brady's going to get sacked seven times in one game. Those things happen, but you can still win the Super Bowl. So even going 11 and six, you know, here's the, here, like we said last year, if you go 14 and three and lose in the second round of the playoffs, but you go 11 and six, but win the Super Bowl, you're going to take that 11 and six season every time. So it's not one of those where you, you need to get too hung up on records. We do this because it has to be a prediction, but the end product is always the goal. And you have to build to something because, and, and what do those six losses look like? Or two of them just washes where, like, the, the Pittsburgh game last year was like, whatever, they can't do crap this game. You know, those kinds of things. You have to kind of look at that as well. Were they competitive in those losses? Like, that, that that's, is that Kansas City and Buffalo going to be good losses? Because those are playoff teams. Those are teams you're 
you're probably going to see in the playoffs, depending on the seeds and the matchups and all that. Uh, so you, you want to you look at those games. So even though I think they're going to be a loss, what kind of loss are they going to be? Are they really where we think the Titans are? and being among those elites in the AFC now with all the changes that they've made in the offseason? Or is it still they've got to have some help and they got to have some good bounces to, to beat these types of teams? So, obviously, we'll, we'll see what happens when we look, get there. Look, yeah, there's luck, that line again. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Look, luck plays a huge part in who wins the Super Bowl. And, and I think anybody, any coach truly will say that, that that is something that plays a factor here, whether it's injuries, whether it's uh, the calls going the right way. And you hope you know, health, luck, those are things you can't really predict. You can control your luck to an extent, but that is something that plays into it. So the record, yes, you are what your record says you are. At the same time, it doesn't tell the whole story. If they don't win the South, I'm going to throw some stuff. If they don't, if they don't win the South, then that's a major <laughs> letdown, especially in this year. And that's more about what the rest of this conference looks exactly. like than what the Titans are, in, in my opinion. But I mean, I think the Titans are that right mix of their very good. And the rest of the AFC South is really bad. So that's where we, if there's any more questions, we'll get to them in just a second. We'll bring Darren in here for our beer review uh, and get his thoughts. Darren, I know you've listened to, to most of the show here. What are your thoughts on, on the Titan season and their chances? Uh, I went 13 and four. Yeah. Classic. That's, Classic. that's, that's what I was thinking. I think we're going to win the AFC South. You know, the Colts are always a trouble team for us. Texans. It's just a black hole of misinformation right now, so I don't think we will <laughs> well, we will know what's happening until it happens. We've also got the weirdest them. roster I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I think the least fantasy drafted roster they are in the, in any NFL history was the yeah. Texans this year. They are the best fifty three man special team squad I've ever seen. <laughs> it's true, but hey, the Titans are historically bad at at, at splitting division rivalries. You know, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, the guy might come out like Mahomes did when he's got well, the starting I, job. Yeah, and that team is oh, – yeah, I, I, I get we'll your point. We'll see. Yeah, I get your point. The classic Titans fan opinion from day one is we'll see. You know, <laughs> I have right. high hopes, but, you know, low expectations. So every <laughs> week we do a beer review here, and I saw a question here. How often do we do these? Every week, 8 p.m. Tuesdays. Yeah, I did no sickness, and that was kind of what attacked it's us. Beer well, it's beer 30 every day. Preseason's over. Yeah, wild hair's Game here. Game time. Wild hair's here without us. Oh, yeah, for us. sure. So, Let's go. But every Tuesday, 8 p.m., we'll be here talking about the Titans, breaking down the games, previewing the next game, and doing a beer review. Feel free to join us. It's in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Great place. Great atmosphere and you know what darren i think let's do the beer review and we do have a couple questions here and you can be our honorary guest let's the do show. it so this is the uh drippy from sycamore brewing company out of charlotte north carolina yeah it is a creamsicle ipa it's fruity citrusy it's amazing it's it's like a little piece of the state fair you know in a glass it's it's meaty it's it's awesome I will also say uh, for a typical IPA, this is a very, very light beer. Yeah, it is. It hits crisp, but it still has it's 7.1. So it still has that like, you know, Labor Day vibe to it where you're you know. only one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. At least we're just it's just one, I promise. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's awesome. And Sycamore's a great brewery. We we brought them in last year. They have a lot of really the mountain candy is their staple. IPA. They also have a double mountain candy. 
but the the drippy is their like creamsicle ipa so it's one of the ones we like to throw up like kind of just like throw it out there like sure. experimental like give some give the people a little bit of like you know creamsicle vibe yep i'll save the expert review for jonathan so he's a little better than this but i will say this this is this is the the second ipa that, that you've given us on the show that i have like thought because i'm not an ipa guy i've said that a few times i just yeah. I, I just but this is the second one i could find myself going back Good. to drink and it's maybe because it is lighter but this one really this is going to sound bad but it's the only way i can describe it it really dances on your tongue well i you mean know, I, it has the a lot IPA of flavor world, that runs across yes so. the ipa world has came a long way i mean i i get i still get customers that say you know i don't like the bitterness of the hops or but there's flavors in ipas yep. now that there's an ipa for everyone out there you know and that's what we stock here at wild hair so come by and grab it, one it's or very six refreshing. or 24. Yeah. <laughs> please Just don't drink them here <laughs> yeah. if you're doing that many. <laughs> or at least wait I'll a little bit home man. there's a pizza care. place next door a chinese place down the street yeah. you get some food in you yeah yeah so. we'll, we'll get you taken care of football games are three and a half hours you know so we'll get you taken care of i think i'm at a flat eight out of ten on this one it's 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 good and i'm surprised again I, i'm normally i'm not high on ipas but this is again yeah a high rated ipa for me all right. You, you and your you and your scale of ten. Come on. What do you want? We're, scale we're, of five? The scale of a hundred. This okay, is, it's, this it's, is it's, our PFF rating. You're it's okay. an eighty-one. Eighty-one. Thank you. I, as I, long I, as you're good at math, you can scale down. So I, I, well, I, I'm coming in. I'm coming in at like a ninety-five on this. This is great as, Dude, as, an, as an IPA, and then really, it's you know an everyday drink an IPA. It's yeah, not yeah. something you you just feel heavy. It's light. It, you know, it's crisp. I I like it. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I could I could see myself drinking this with dinner, but then also afterwards while I'm enjoying the game and not feel overly guilty about it. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Great right. IPAs. Love so. it. All right. So to wrap up the show, let's make sure we get to these extra questions here. Uh, let's start with Joshua Medina. Hello, Joshua. Can you win if Derek can't get it done? What do you mean can't get it? Okay. So if you can't get it done we've seen this in the past where the Titans kind of get one dimensional and it's, they have nowhere to go from there. And, and Ryan Tannehill has probably taken the most abuse in that situation. And, and, you know, you're not, we're not privy to the game plan. We don't know what it was. So can this team get it done? I feel more confident this year than I have in years past. They can with the weapons that they have, because even if Derrick Henry can't get it done, that means the team, that means that the defense is selling out to stop the run in my opinion, if that's what I think you mean there, not that he's, not in the game or anything like that, but they're, they've committed there. And as we stated earlier, this is a very dangerous year to try to take just one thing away from the Titans. I think you have to be balanced to have a chance versus them, and they're that good on offense. So they have that – I mean, the potential's there because it's not just potential. I've seen these these players do it by themselves, and now they're combined on this offense. So I think that you've got a better chance there, in my opinion, to still be successful in this offense. Now you switch to being more than more one-dimensional in those situations, but you could force a team to being out of the box and then go back to the run, in my opinion. Yeah, I'll just say this. You did a great breakdown there. Um, that's not what I was going to say. I just wanted to also add that. Um, you better. You can't have Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, the money that you've invested in Ryan Tannehill, and then be taken out because of your running back, which frankly, Derrick Henry is, is spectacular as a runner, but it's the most devalued position in football. Yep. Outside of kick returner and punt returner. That's a whole different rant. I'll go down sometime. Yeah, yeah but, we'll have that argument yeah. again. <laughs> but if you if you take away the running game, you better be able to win 
with Julio Jones and AJ Brown on the outside. Yeah, and I guess that's my point. Is you better because if 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 not, then this is not the team I thought it was. And my hopes for the season go way down. That thirteen and four, uh, eleven and six turns into please get five hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So last question to end the night from TJ Fan ninety nine on Twitch. Will there be growing pains having the different targets? Can you an O coordinator be overloaded with weapons? And I don't think so. And I, I mean that from a growing pains perspective. Let's start there. The, it, again, you better not because how you treated the preseason is no, you're not going to have those things. We touched on it a little bit when we talk about the timing and where people need to be on the field and your receivers know knowing the spots they need to get to. I don't think that you'll have growing pains. And if you do, if you do, then you're really as a coaching staff opening yourself up or a lot of criticism because of how you treated the preseason and that it did not matter to get your guys reps. That said, I will say this going from 16 games to 17 games for me, it just feel for some reason, it feels like it, the season is so much longer. What you field in week one could be drastically different from what you're fielding in week 17. They could be yeah. completely different teams. You talk about dividing the team, the season up into quarters. I think that's where you got to kind of make your marks. Now, again, the math doesn't line up. Now, the seventeenth game completely blows that. Whatever, up. I get what you're saying. You have to group everything. <laughs> you have to group everything together. And to your point, you want to be the strongest team you possibly can be by the, by playoff time, regardless of what your regular season record you got. I mean, let's be honest. You have no chance to win the Super Bowl if you don't get in the playoffs. So just get there. Yeah. In, in the bottom line, just get there. So if you have some slip ups, you have to make some changes, and if it can overload. I guess I can see where it could, and I do have that concern when you have too many weapons, but at the same time, it's an NFL offense with NFL players who are capable. Ryan Tannehill, if he's the quarterback that, that I think he is, which he's proven that he is, I think he's a good distributor. The problem these last couple of years is that I think it's not just when Derrick Henry gets stopped. It was when Corey Davis was obviously hamstrung. Or dropping the ball. Or dropping the ball. That now it really gives Ryan Tannehill nowhere to go with it, and Johnny Smith wasn't as used as – to his capabilities, in my opinion, uh, as far as athletically, as, as offensive weapon. Now, he was used perfectly in the run game. He was great at it, and I'm going to miss him. I really did. I really turned around and changed my opinion on Johnny Smith while he's with the Titans. My point there is that I, I just, with this professional of, of, a, of an offense, with these, as many of these weapons, I think it's more of a, where can we turn to next as opposed to, is it a problem? And I, I, you worry about the egos maybe more in those situations. Can the guys get along? based on what I've seen and based on how amped AJ is, I don't think that there's going to be any issue with these guys sharing the ball. If one gets more of a distribute, uh, you know, a share of the, of the targets than the other, I think everybody seems to be on that page. And this is a credit to variable and his staff too, that there is this mentality of, of win, no excuses. Let's move forward and go. So I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of that. It's a good question though, because obviously you know, I think that we, we played on, we, you know, not played, sorry, we coached one time where, you know, a very knowledgeable, you know, you, you throw a lot at a, at a high school kid, but the problem is, is that they can remember two words instead of the 17 you just gave them. So you've got to have to find a way to simplify that. Well, these guys have all been around that are these weapons. You're not really relying on a rookie, in my opinion. So these guys have been around. They know what they're capable of. You know what they're capable of as a coach. And, I, and I'm, I'm just... Until I'm not concerned until this goes off the rails, and then obviously I'm concerned. But right now, my confidence level for for Titans team is an all time high. Maybe I'm setting myself up for some major failure, but that's where I am with it right now. Look, 
football's a complicated sport, but it's simple. And frankly, I think if you're overloaded with weapons, that's an issue with Ryan Tannehill. He should be able to check based on what the defense is giving them to get mm. into plays and go through his reads. If they're taking away Julio by shifting a safety, that means they're not shifting a safety over to A.J. Brown. If if he is having trouble because he's locked into a receiver, that's an issue for your $30 million quarterback. Yep. And so I don't think you can be overloaded. You can be overloaded in how you execute it. Agreed. Great points to finish up the show. Great questions. Thank you for the great questions tonight. Join us next Tuesday as well for these because we're going to we're going to have the show every season where we're going to review every and, week. Every week. What I say every, every season? season. Well, you know what? I was due for a it's major. An annu- it's an annual. Look, show. I did so well. You did at the start yeah. of the. I knew it See was you coming. Next year, See people. you next year, guys. No, but but we're going to be here every week doing this. We're going to review the game that just happened. Go in depth about what went right, what went wrong. Try to give you some coaching angles to to what those decisions were. And then we're going to look forward to the next game and take your questions about what, what happened, what is going to happen, potentially what we're seeing, so those kinds of things. So it'll be fun. Uh, real quick side note to my other show, join us for the Flex tomorrow night as well. We're actually going to have our regular sit start for the first week. But after that, we're going to keep the cameras rolling. We're going to have our fantasy draft live. That should be interesting because all the hosts have promised they're going to be drinking some beer for that. So that hopefully that'll be pretty fun. We'll rail on some picks and stuff. One final shout-out. Sure. Because it's game week. Halftime hits. You can oh, join yeah. myself and Ryan here at halftime. It's a short, fast, straight-to-the-point show. We go with some in-depth analysis and talk about what we're seeing in the first half, what changes could be made, and what has gone right, gone wrong. And we knock it all out in about 12 minutes. It's a best use of to. 12 minutes. Because we have to. Exactly. But, but it is a good show. I look forward to it. And also the uh, the roundtable after the show as well, which is going to be a revolving cast of Broadway to break down the game you just saw. So good times to be having on our live shows. Join us for all of that. In closing, this has been the Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network, partner with 440 Sports. Remember to be sure and check out all of our other podcasts, articles, and video breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. And this show at Coaches on Broad, JB at JB on Broad, myself at Ryan on Broadway. But until next time, we out. See ya. Broadway Sports Media Production.